You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Um, Okay, we're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to jump in here. Verse 13 is where we're going to start reading. So once you find it, let's go ahead and stand and read back in James this week. And last week was really more of a big picture kind of a truth. And today, uh, tonight is more of a practical truth. And we're going to be looking at some practical things uh, because James really is a practical book, very practical As we go through this, you start to see just how many uh, very, very tangible things James is telling us to practice. And uh, that is this section right here. Begin reading in verse 13, and we'll read down through verse uh, verse 21. It says in James chapter 1, verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. We talked about these verses a couple weeks ago that that God is not the source of our sin. Um, The Bible says in verse 14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The problem with sin is me. It's not God. I am my biggest problem when it comes to sin. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's the process of, ...of our sin, of lust. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above... ...and cometh down from the Father of lights... ...with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's the truth we looked at last week. God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth... ...that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures... Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to to save your souls. Our primary focus tonight is in, on verses 19 through 21. And, and the idea tonight is the word of God is how the work of God is accomplished in our lives. And, and, we, and I say that and I didn't expect to have, you know, a bunch of amens. I didn't. Because we've heard it so much that we... I think maybe get used to the thought, okay, God works through his word in my life. And yet, that's the reason we need a message like this tonight. Because we forget just how important the word is to God, to what God wants to do in our lives. And so tonight, I'm just calling it upward for the word. And maybe as we go through it, you'll find out why I called it that. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Father, we love you, and this, this, your word is so important to our growth. God, it is absolutely essential to our growth, and yet sometimes the word of God is kind of just something we carry, and we bring to church, 
and we open and we kind of lose sight of why it's, it matters so much. God, help us tonight. We, we need you to work through your word in our hearts and remind us of this truth. We ask that you bless the reading of your word. Help us to be open to hearing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There is no growth without struggle. There's no growth without struggle. That's the message that James is trying to give to his readers. They're facing hardships, but he wanted them to remember that you don't grow without difficulties. Uh, my wife and I sometimes will we'll reminisce. We're at the age now where we are reminiscing. And all we need is a couple of rocking chairs to complete the act, okay? So we reminisce. We've been doing it long enough. We've been, you know, we've been married for over 20 years. And, and so we just talk about things. And we talk about things in the past. And we remember things. And, and very often our minds, our conversations will go back to the difficult times in our lives. I mean, there are times in our lives, and we'll talk about these, that, that were not easy. Times that, that stretched us. Times that pushed us. Times that discouraged us. Times in which our faith was tested. Times that, that, that God was doing something in our lives, and we didn't know what it was he was doing. There are times when people were not very easy to deal with in our lives. There are times when circumstances or finances and these things are tight and, and we almost, every time that we have a conversation like that, then we almost always end it with this phrase, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I'm thankful for the lessons we learned. You ever go through reminiscing times like that and you think, I wouldn't want to do that again. But I'm thankful for the lessons that we learned. Because, see, without those lessons, my wife and I, our family, we wouldn't be what we are today. But we need to remember that truth when we're going through hardships. And there are, there are some principles about, the, the, about life that James gives us. And, and the first is because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen to all of us. Difficulties happen. Life is difficult. Life is stressful. Life pushes us and it stretches us. And number two, we don't have control over many things that happen to us or happen to those around us. So life is, happens and it's not always good. We don't have control over the things that happen, but we do have complete control over the way we respond to those things. And then the fourth principle that comes to mind as I read James is our response to our trials largely determines our spiritual growth or lack thereof. So bad things happen. We can't control the bad things. We can control our responses. And our response to our trials largely determines whether or not we grow in our Christian lives. That's the message of James. He tells them to be students, not victims. He tells them that life is going to be hard and there will be tests and you need to let patience have her perfect work. Let the test do what it's supposed to do, to grow us and mature us and change us. And in the middle of it, I'm just giving you a review, in the middle of it, ask God for wisdom in the trial. Because if you don't ask God for his wisdom, you likely either won't survive the trial or you will miss the lesson completely. 
We need God's wisdom when it's difficult and, and, and when it gets hard. And we need to love God even when it's hard and let that drive us. But the last couple of weeks we've, we've been focusing maybe on a transition from the big outward tests to the inward tests. The big things out here to the things that come in here. And, and the, the, the moral temptations, not just the, the difficult temptations, the things we can't control, but the moral temptations and our responses to the moral temptations. And there are some truths about temptations we need to be reminded of. And the first is this, that we are the problem. Our, our lust, our strong desires, when we don't deny them, they conceive sin... And sin produces death every time. I am my biggest problem when it comes to sin. And when I sin, it always kills something meaningful. That's the process. Now, we have to think that there were some that were confused about the process. Because he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. There were those that thought God was responsible for temptation to sin. But God has nothing to do with temptation to sin. He may allow hardships, the big stuff. But moral temptation begins with us, not God. God is not part of the problem when it comes to sin. Uh, he is part of the solution, though. And that principle we looked at last week is one that I've been chewing on and I can't really get away from this. In that God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. And that it helps me both in the outward trials and that in an outward trial when I think I can't keep going and I don't want this in my life. If I can just remember God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. That will help me through that outward trial. But also in, in an inward temptation, in the moral temptation, if when I have a strong desire and I have a strong lust and I want something that, that I don't have and, I'm, and, I, and I wish I had something different, then that truth helps me here too because I can remember, no, God is good. I have everything I need. His gifts are good enough for me. Listen, that truth is, is a revolutionary truth and it is foundational for our Christian lives. And I want you to really remember it. It's one of those that, that really, I think is very important for us. It helps us in the outward temptations. It helps us in the inward temptations. But we need to remember we have everything we need from the Lord. You know, everything I need to live a, live a complete and, and mature and content and fulfilled and satisfied life. It all comes from God and he's given everything to me that I need. Sin will never provide contentment for me. No matter how badly I want to escape the hardships of a trial, I, I have to remember God can give me everything I need. And we need to remember that. And if I doubt it, he gives us a reminder in verse 18 that's really good. He says, if you ever doubt that God gives you everything you need, just remember that of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You know, if you ever get to the place where you think, boy, I don't know if I have everything from God that I need. Just remember this. God of his own will gave you a new birth through his son, Jesus Christ. That should be all that you ever need to remember that God is good and his gifts are good enough for me. And, and, and what I love about that verse is it says of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Truth that we might be first fruits, the first fruits of his creatures. And that word first fruits, I, I didn't explain it a lot last week. But, but the first fruits for the nation of Israel, uh, when, when they would grow a crop or they would have a flock, the first fruit, the idea of the first fruit was that you would, you would take your first product and your best product 
and you bring that to the Lord. So you don't just take, give God the leftovers. When it comes to the first fruit, you would find the best. Like for instance, if you're, if you're growing something, you don't give him the smallest tomato. You find the reddest, you find the, the best looking, you find the, the one that looks the best and seems the best and is most appealing. And that's what you bring. And with, if you're going to bring a lamb, you don't bring the lamb that's sick and weak. You bring the lamb that's healthy and looks the best and is growing and, and, and producing. That's the lamb you bring. You, you bring the first fruits. You don't give God the leftovers. And, and see, the idea there is that God, he made us first fruits. You know, God didn't give us just the bare minimum of what we need to be transformed from sinners uh, to first fruits. He gave us everything we need. He went above and beyond. He made us trophy first fruits. He gave us the best of the good and perfect gifts. And so James carries that thought into this next section with a wherefore. Beginning in verse 19. See, he says in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Here's the idea, okay? So this takes some, we just have to make sure we're, we're transitioning with the thoughts. The idea is this, because God has proven that his word can transform us from sinners into first fruits and that he only gives us the best gifts, then here, from this moment on, we need to trust him to continue that work in our lives. See, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if God has proven that he always does what's best and he never changes and he only gives us the best gifts that provide the greatest benefits and his word is able to transform us from sinners that could only produce death into his finest creations that can receive crowns in heaven, then we better give him every opportunity from this moment forward to continue to work in our lives. That's the idea. Uh, why? Why should we? Well, he's proven it already. Uh, so keep trusting the process because the product speaks for itself. I mean, think about the product that James has, has given. He says God can grow us through struggles. We can find maturity through the difficulties. He, he can give us wisdom through trials. He gives us grace to endure to the end. And he only and always gives us good and perfect gifts. God has given us new birth through his word. He has made us first fruits of his creatures. The product speaks for itself. When you think about all that God has done for us, why would we from this point forward then say, okay, well then I think I'm going to try a new tactic. He has proven himself. And he's brought you from where you were to where you are. And here's the problem, okay, is that God does the work in our lives and he produces in our lives and he changes us and he transforms us and he proves it over and over and over again. And then we get to a certain point where we think we're doing okay. And then we think, okay, I'm going to try something different from here. That makes no sense. I mean, it makes no sense if you've, if you've been driving uh, a certain vehicle, um, and a certain model, a, a certain company. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're a Chevy person. Are you a okay, Chevy person? I, I knew I'd get some amens for that one. Or maybe you're a Ford person. Amen. All right, okay. Or maybe you're a Mini Cooper person. Oh, I didn't think so. Okay, so you've got Fords, you've got Chevys. Well, listen, you know the reason that people become dedicated 
to the vehicles they drive is because for years and years that vehicle's been good for them. If, if you drive a Dodge, oh, okay, thank you. I was waiting for Brother Mike up there, but he was like, oh, oh, amen, I hear Dodge. The sound men, they're always the first to sleep. So, yeah, so, you know, whatever vehicle you drive, you know the reason you're dedicated to that vehicle is because it's proven itself. So if a Dodge has always been good for you, then you're going to go buy a new vehicle. It's time to replace it. Why would you go out and buy something different? You know, it makes sense for us when it comes to our vehicles. It makes sense to us when it comes to our, to our, our maybe our shoe brand or, or to our, you know, whatever it is. We have things that have proven themselves for us. And so why would the, that we, from this point forward, change that? Well, it's even more so the fact that God has proven himself. He's done all the work that nobody else could have ever done. He has taken you from a sinner to the first fruit of his creatures. And the product speaks for itself. No one can argue with what God has done in your life. So here's what James is saying. So decide right now to fully engage in the process still. If God's product has been this good for you, keep embracing the process. Well, what's the process? Well, the work of God starts with the word of God. How did God change you from the very beginning? What did he do? Of his own will begat us through what? The Bible says. You remember? Through what? Look at it. Try to find it. Of his own will begat he us with what? The word of truth. So if God's work is dependent on God's word. And it's been good enough for me from, that, from this point uh, backwards through my life. It's always been enough for me. Then guess what moving forward? Guess what's going to be good enough for me moving forward? God's word will be. Why at this point would I say I'm a good Christian? I'm a mature Christian from this point out. I can do this myself. Why from this point on would I start to think that I don't need this anymore as much as I used to because I'm mature and I'm settled and I know some things. No, listen, the, the point that James is making is this is your manual for maturity. And if you ever want to be more than what you are right now, then you must make choices that allow God's work to continue to do God's, God's word to continue to do God's work. Yeah. And James gives us the how. And this is, where, this is where the inspiration came to me this week. And I, I mean, I was pretty impressed with the outline. Okay, I'll just say it that way. Because he gives us some pretty, some pretty practical things to do. If you want God's word to continue doing God's work, here's some things that you, that you need to remember. First, you need to listen up. Be swift to hear. See, this is great life advice. You, you were born with two ears and one mouth. And the most important skill you can learn in life is the ability to listen. Calvin Coolidge said, no man has ever listened himself out of a job. And if you ask me, it's a lost art in our culture, listening. You ever watch news debates? I mean, modern news debates, nobody listens. You know the debate strategy, I'm convinced, the debate strategy in news debates now is, I will talk over them. 
I can't even watch those things on TV anymore because they're just all talking at the same time. Nobody ever stops to listen. Nobody ever tries to get somebody else's point of view. They just talk and talk and talk over. And it's not just on the news. Walk down the hallways of your school. Uh, walk, uh, go listen to conversations in your workplace. You know, and let's be self-reflective. You know, sometimes walk down the halls of Eastside Baptist Church. And it's happening here too. Pay attention to your conversation habits. I'm surprised how often people talk over each other. And you say, well, this got real. Okay, don't be mad at me. I'm just, I'm trying to help us here. Because the Bible says, be swift to hear. So you know who should be the swiftest to hear? Is people like us who still follow God's word. And we still believe that this is best for us. The Bible says be swift to hear. So listen, you be self-reflective in your conversation habits. And don't talk over people. It's a little surprising sometimes. Especially when James very clearly says, be slow to speak and swift to hear. Make sure you're not one of the people uh, that others avoid because your conversation habit is to simply wait till there's a gap until you can say the next thing you're going to say. And that happens. I'm not saying that, that that's unique to Eastside Baptist Church. I think it's part of our culture, but we need to be careful of it. If we're going to be, if we're going to be salt and light in our community, uh, let's be the church people know as, man, they're good listeners over there at Eastside Baptist Church. And James' advice is this, be a listener more than a talker. And that's not just life advice. Really, the application is here applying to the listening to God's word. Um, be a listener, not just because it's rude if you don't, but because you are limiting God's work in your life if you don't purposely engage in hearing God's word. If this is the process of growth in our lives and change doesn't begin, if we don't prioritize hearing of God's word, then we need to listen up. How do I prioritize hearing? Well, I need to, I need to open God's word with anticipation. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but when I'm listening to preaching, and it, maybe it's just me, but when I'm listening to preaching and somebody says, open God's word, like this morning, um, brother, uh, brother Jacob did the, the devotion in men's prayer meeting, and when he told us to turn to 1 Corinthians, you know what I thought? Oh, I wonder what he's going to talk about. I mean, maybe that's, just, maybe that's just a strange way to think about things. But I was excited. Because I thought... What he, what he says is probably going to be something I need. And, and we all ought to have that attitude. You know how to prioritize God's word in your life? Anticipate when it's opened. And I, I'm not saying that every message is the, the greatest, most exciting message of all time. Um, some of you right now, your face reflects that. I get that. Sit up. Listen up. Be excited, anticipate it, because really it's not about what I'm saying, it's about what God's word has to say. Attend every service. Be in class. When it comes time for your teacher to open God's word, be excited and be supportive. I mean, be excited about what he's going to bring, what God's done in his life. In the couples class, Brother Chad, I mean, I know that he prays and he thinks about what's going to be said in, this, in the college class. And over the Juan has thought through it and he's given it prayer and thought about it. And in all of these classes, listen, and they stand there and they present truth. And it's not about what they're saying, it's about what God wants to say to you. So listen up. Be familiar with the, the series being preached. 
I've encouraged people, and I haven't done it in a few weeks, but I've encouraged people to read the book of James and be familiar so that you can already be thinking about what's going to be said when we get to it. You know, here's another way to listen up is get sleep the night before. You know, and this is a struggle for me. Sometimes Saturday nights, I have a tough time sleeping. Because honestly, I'm anticipating Sunday. And I can't sleep. But listen, we need to be better at going to bed earlier on Saturday nights if we are going to prioritize the hearing of God's word. And, and I, I mean this. I, one of the things that I would like to get away from as a church is Saturday night activities late. Because I want to send the message that as a church, no Sunday means so much to us, we're going to clear Saturday nights off. And after a certain time, we're not going to be hanging out. or fel- I mean, if you choose to do that on an individual basis with another family or something, but in terms of, of, of actual church activities, no, Saturday night should be off limits because we're sending the message. No, we want to be ready to hear. I mean, I know, I know it's a struggle sometimes to stay awake. I know. I mean, I don't have to struggle with it because I'm standing up here, but sometimes I put myself to sleep. I get it. But sometimes I do think there's a way to avoid that if we would go to bed earlier. No, Saturday nights, reserve it. Set it aside, block it off, and say, nope, Sunday morning, we're getting ready for it. How else do you prioritize hearing? Well, you know what would be good for us to talk about the sermon with other people? I talk, about, I talk with Brother Wade sometimes, and he talks about how at the garage, they're, I don't know how they ever get work done, because he talks about how they're, how they're talking about the sermon, and they're talking about the day, and I'm thankful to hear that. It means a lot that, that they're doing that. It helps them to, to rehear the message, apply the sermon during the week. Listen, how's your appetite for God's word? I don't know if, you, if this is the way for you, but when I'm sick, I'm not very hungry. If I don't feel good, I don't want to eat. But when I'm, when I'm healthy, it's easy to eat. You know, it, it is. And, and, and sometimes I think spiritually we're a little bit sick. And when we're sick, we don't have an appetite for God's word. When we're not spiritual, and when God's word gets open, it's more like a groan than, than an anticipation. We don't get very excited because we're not spiritually where we ought to be. I'm just encouraging, how's your appetite for, for God's word? Because your appetite for God's word is a reflection of your spiritual health. Someone swift to hear is eager and attentive and ready to assimilate, ready to apply God's word to their lives. So how do I make sure the word can keep doing its work? Be swift to hear. Have a quick ear. Be swift to hear. So listen up. Now, the second one is this. Button up. And I almost said, shut up. Because it says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. But I thought, if I use the phrase, shut up, that may be controversial for some families in here. We don't like to use that phrase, by the way. So I'm going to use the politically correct phrase and say button up. And I can say it as mean as I want. It's not as offensive. Button it up. You know, button up. It means the same thing, by the way, okay? <laughs> if swift to hear means open your ears, slow to speak means close your mouth. What it doesn't mean is that we shouldn't be bold with the gospel. 
What it doesn't mean is that we don't speak the truth in love. But what it does mean is that we ought to be so that we ought not be so hasty to that to make sure that we're heard all the time. It's very connected to the other one. But listen, we ought to weigh our words very carefully. We ought to carefully consider what we are going to say. Because do you realize, I just want to remind you of this, that you will answer for every idle word that you say. And so when's the last time that you really thought about that? Listen, every joke that you've ever told, every criticism that you've ever let go out of your mouth, every word of gossip, that has come from you. Every word that came out without weight of thought, without thinking about it, every idle word. And when you consider that, maybe we, we ought to spend more time buttoning it up. Proverbs says, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Now, part of the application is not just, hey, just be quiet, don't ever talk. No, remember, this is in connection to God's word. And in James 3, James tells them, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So many are quick to claim authority. And they want to tell people what the Bible means and what it says when it comes to God's truth. Here's the idea that James is dealing with. But the weight of responsibility for those that teach and preach God's word, it can be a heavy burden with severe consequences. So be careful about claiming to have lots of authority when it comes to God's word and truth and having strong opinions about things because that is a weighty matter. That's what James says. And the primary attitude of God's people, uh, people who come to hear God's word is this. I can't wait to get there and listen. I can't wait to hear what God wants. What James is dealing with is an attitude of those that would rather be heard than listen. And there are times that some, you know, we, we've got to be careful that, that we aren't more interested in being heard than in listening. And because, and I'm just going to just be transparent because I know that you think, well, you know, opening God's word and, well, I'd love to just stand up there and blast people with the truth every week. But do you realize when it says, be not many masters because there's greater condemnation, it means that somebody that stands with authority and declares truth will answer more, more seriously for the truth that they present. It's a heavy burden. It's not an easy thing to bear. And so for us to come in and say, well, this is my opinion, and I sure want to tell him what my opinion is, I mean, that's a heavy burden. And it takes a calling. Somebody, we had some people over for lunch. We had guests over for lunch today when, with the Visses and a couple that's been coming, and I'm excited to see what God might do in their lives. And they were asking me, he's like, so why did you pick, why did you choose to get into this, you know? It's like it was career day in high school or something. They said, well, you know, it's not really something that you just pick to do as much as God calls you to do it. Because when you recognize the weight sometimes and the burden of the responsibility of presenting truth and, and teaching truth, then it's, it's sometimes, boy, you think if you could do anything else, maybe you ought to. Meaning you better be sure that you're called. And we ought to be very careful to go around expressing hard opinions about things because the Bible says that that attitude will present a, an opportunity for greater condemnation. And so when he says, um, in, when he says be, be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak, 
What he's telling us is to be cautious about the things we say. And by the way, this also has to do with our taking authority upon ourselves and, 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 and speaking in such a way to people that is condescending to them. You know, looking down on people and especially, hey, young people, this is good for you. Because it would do some of you good to just maybe close it and listen to your authorities sometimes. You know, you have a lot to learn from the people around you. And I, we have a very receptive youth group right now. But I remember as a young person thinking, well, I know better than them. And I kind of want to let them know. No, it's not your place. You know, right now, practice these things. Be, be much swifter to hear than you are to speak. Be cautious with your words. That's the idea. So how do I make sure the word can do its work? Well, listen up and button up. Third, don't blow up. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, a person quick to be triggered will not give the word the opportunity to do its work. You ever talk to somebody and it seems like no matter what you say to them, they're going to take it the wrong way? No matter what you say, they're going to get upset about it. Even if you come with a spirit of humility and you come with a spirit to help, they, they take everything the wrong way. There's a spirit of defensiveness. Now listen, there are times where anger does its work. There is righteous anger. That's not what James is dealing with. See, the idea here is twofold. Poor listening and quick speaking often lead to wrath and arguments and understanding. You ever been around two people that won't take the time to listen to each other and they're just getting mad at each other and if they would just stop and listen, the, the, the argument would be over. But they won't take the time to listen. Husbands and wives, are you looking at each other here? It happens at home. But not listening well to the word can also cause listeners to be angry. You know, I, and I, I know sometimes the delivery may rub you wrong. I get that. And there may be times where it comes across the wrong way. And I can tell you this, as somebody who preaches the word, it's never my intention for it to come across the wrong way. And I hope that all the times that I have delivered the word over the last almost three years, by the way, almost three years, three years next month. All the times that I have delivered the word, I can tell you this, it's never once been in my heart to come and just make you mad. It's not in my heart to ever come across in a way that would be condescending or hurtful or full of pride. That is not my intention. But listen, have you ever been misunderstood in a conversation? So what James is saying is give the speaker, give him some room. Assume that his motives are correct. And be slow to wrath. And when the word comes across, and maybe the delivery isn't the way that you thought it should be, give him some room. Now, if heresy is being preached, guess what? You have a responsibility to take care of that. And I can tell you this too, it's never my intention to preach anything heretical. But if I ever do, I hope that we'd have men in our church that would say, Hey, pastor, I think we ought to, we, you ought to look at this or think about this. You have that right. You have that, you have that sense of protection, and I hope that you will. But listen, the primary application here is about listening. James' point is that we as hearers can get angry at what we hear and we miss the work that the word was supposed to do. One way to say it is this. Don't be defensive when God's word is preached and taught. 
Sometimes we hear truth that doesn't feel good. You know, I, I had surgery on my shoulder last year. Not everything they did to me felt good. But I needed it. Sometimes we get applications that we don't like. And you might think, well, you're really meddling tonight, Pastor. You're talking about talking over each other and stuff. And I, I can't believe you'd get that specific. Well, that may, be, that may be exactly the illustration that James is using. You know, sometimes we hear illustrations that frustrate us or we might even lose our temper or get annoyed when examples hit close to home. You've got to be careful of that, respirit, of that spirit in response to the declaration of truth. I mean, even if, someone is, if something is said poorly or incorrectly or with a spirit that we don't normally experience from this pulpit, anger as a response will not be profitable. That's what he's saying. I mean, if something needs to be dealt with, fine, but anger's not going to help it. And if someone preaches heresy, take care of it. And if someone comes across in a, with a spirit that's incorrect, then maybe deal with it. But that's not James, what James is dealing with. The readers obviously had some poor responses of anger. In other words, they were hearing things they didn't like. And they weren't slow to wrath. And it didn't help God's work in their lives. Here's the thing. The things that rile us up the most might indicate an area that needs attention in our lives. And in those cases, we may need to set aside some time for self-examination. If there are certain applications or certain truths that get preached and they always, they always rile you up, maybe you shouldn't assume that the preacher's always at fault. Maybe there's something God's trying to do in your life. How do I make sure the word can do its work? Well, listen up button up, don't blow up, and number four, clean it up. He says, lay apart, in verse 21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. William Barclay, this is really, this is really uh, an interesting picture here. William Barclay explains that the word for filthiness is repose, and when used in a medical sense, you know what it means? This is really good, you can write this down. It means wax in the ear. I thought I'd get a better response than that. Okay, that's what it means. So do you start to get the idea? Because he's talking about hearers. And if you've got buildup, and you haven't had a Q-tip in a few months, you're getting the idea. It's like wax in the ear. And if you want to hear what God's word has to say, you're going to have to clean it out before it can actually get through. And the idea is that we allow things to build up. Wickedness and superfluity or abundance of naughtiness. We allow things, these impurities to build up in our lives. And they act as filters to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were just on Wednesday. The Jacobs were vacuuming uh, in the foyer out here. In the, and by the way, I think it's awesome that people at Eastside are helping clean our church building. Uh, it's just exciting to me that... You're investing in our building. It means a lot. Doing a good job with it. Well, they were looking at the vacuum cleaner and they were like, they were trying to figure out how to, fit, how to clean it out. And, you know, be, it, because it had gotten a lot of stuff in there. And, and if you don't clean out the filter, the vacuum doesn't work. And the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. You know, throughout the week, well, we get exposed to a lot of things. And, and it builds up, unfortunately. 
the things that you hear at work and, and the things that you might listen to and the things that you might watch and the, the thoughts that come into your mind. In my mind, I'm not just you, all of us. I'm telling you, like just walking around, it's easy to get dirty. And the dirt builds up and it starts to, it starts to filter out the Holy Spirit. And, and if you want God's work to be done through God's word, you know what you need to do? You need to do business with God before you ever come sit in a pew on Sundays. Take some time to clean that stuff up. Because God's word can't penetrate if there's a bunch of stuff in the ear. If there's a bunch of dirt around the heart. And, and I, I've been just thinking about this part of it and thinking about how many messages I've heard and, and how, many, how many times that I've listened to God's word and, and God wanted to do something, but because I didn't prepare myself, because I didn't clean out the impurities, because there was filthiness and there was superfluity of naughtiness, and I didn't take the time to clean out the, the wax or to clean up the dirt, that God couldn't penetrate my heart because I didn't clean it up. Have a pure heart. And finally, he says, so you've got to listen up and button up. and you Don't blow up. Clean it up. And finally, open up. He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Receive with meekness means that you say, God, let your word do whatever it wants. God, whatever you want to do is fine with me. Meekness implies humility, and humility has no agenda. It simply says, God, whatever it is. And God's word, we're the, we're, the, we're the subordinate. God's word is our superior. It's able to save your souls. And listen, if God's word has the power to clean you and to save you from the power and penalty and presence of sin, it can mature you from this point on. It can transform you into what you're supposed to be. But you've got to come open. And Brother Wasson said it tonight. He said, God, we come open. We have, pray that we have open hearts. To hear what your word has to do in our lives tonight. And, and, and see, engrafted, when he says receive with meekness, the engrafted word, that's a gardening term. It means implanted. So tell me this, why is a seed planted? What's the desired end of a seed? To produce what? To produce fruit. To produce something visible. See, we want God's word to be planted in our hearts so that visible change can be seen. That's what we want. That's what James said is the desire of every time God's word is read or preached or taught. We want God's word to be able to have free access. And we've got to, we've got to make sure that the condition of our heart is exactly where it's supposed to be. And James goes through all of this as to remind the readers that God wants to produce fruit in their lives. And his word can do it. As long as we understand that there are hindrances we must deal with. Hindrances like not listening. Hindrances like too much talking. Hindrances like having anger. Hindrances like not cleaning up our filthiness. See, God's word is powerful. It's life-changing. It's fruit-producing. But it can't do its work in me if I don't listen up. It can't do its work in me if I don't button up. And it can't do its work in me if I blow up. It can't do its work in me if I refuse to clean it up. And it can't do its work in me if I refuse to open up. 
how many sermons do you think you've heard in your life? For those of us that have been raised in church, you know, the simple math is, and don't do this right now, okay. 52 times 3 times your age. And by my guess, by my math, I've heard almost 7,000 messages in my life. And by my estimation, here's the thing, I have a lot to answer for. How many times did I come not ready or not willing to listen? I remember specific messages. Some, pay attention tonight. Uh, this would be the worst message to not listen to because I'm literally talking about that. I remember specific messages that I went into with such a bad spirit and re of refusal to hear. And I just wonder if that was the one message God wanted to use to change my life and I missed it. How many messages have I missed? How many of God's, God's truth, uh, life-changing nuggets of truth have I missed because I came not ready to listen or maybe I stayed up late and I didn't prioritize sleep and I struggled just to stay awake? How many times did I come more interested in talking to my friends than hearing from God? How many times did I not like something that was preached or said, so I just turned the rest of it off and I, I blew up internally and I missed something I needed? How many times have I come with a heart full of dirt that filtered anything out that the Holy Spirit wanted to do in me? I wonder how many times I came with no intention of opening myself up to the Lord and said my spiritual posture was like this. When my spiritual posture should have been like this. If God's word has ever been limited in its work, I can guarantee that God's word wasn't the problem. Amen. And I can promise you that the Holy Spirit isn't the issue. If God's work has ever been limited in my life, my heart has been the issue. And God's life-changing, man-maturing work couldn't be accomplished in me because I didn't take care of my business. It's not God's fault, it's my fault. I've left far too many, I'm just being transparent, I've left far too many sermons on the table when God wanted to use one of them to change me. And he has a process. Don't let a flippant approach to his word stunt your growth and limit the product. Listen up, button up, don't blow up, clean it up, and open up. And as you appropriately receive the word, you're going to find yourself starting to do this. And this is where the genius really hit. You're going to start finding yourself growing up. It's the whole point of James. Is James says, in essence, he says, you're like little children. And part of the reason is because your approach to God's word has been wrong. But if you'll finally start to open up in all these ways, you're going to find yourself starting to grow up in the ways God can grow you. Remember, James's message is about maturity. And the best way to maturity is to openly receive God's word into your life. And as you do, maturity means you're going to grow up. I, I don't know about you, but I... I don't want to stay the same. 
I mean, I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been saved for a long time. 35 years. And, and you know what I don't want? I don't want next year to look back and say, boy, I didn't change very much. And I don't want in 10 years to look back and say, well, there wasn't a lot of growth in my life. I don't want the, the remaining years of my life to look back and say, well, nothing really was that much different than what it was way back in 2022 when I preached that message at Eastside. It's all pretty much the same. You know, on all of these things, I really wanted to grow up, but I didn't. You know why? Because my approach to God's word uh, didn't, didn't line up with what James said. And I wasn't ready to listen, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to stop talking. I wasn't ready to not get angry if I heard something I didn't like. I wasn't ready to clean up my own life before I came to hear it. And I wasn't open to God's word, and therefore I didn't grow up. Let's not be that. Let's say, you know what? God's word is the key to my growth, and I will approach it however I need to, to grow as much as I need to. Let's let God's word do its work. But we're going to have to follow James' advice if we're going to allow it to. Would you be willing to? Would you be willing to change your approach to God's word in your life? Because that's the way you're going to grow up. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If your approach to God's word has been flippant, teenagers, listen, I see the looks on your faces. If your approach to God's word has been flippant, listen, you have a long life of stale, of, of just a stale spiritual life ahead of you. But if you will, on a night like this, say, I don't want to miss all the messages God has for me. I'll say, God, whatever it is, listen, you could far surpass all the adults in this room because you have an approach to God's word that says, God, whatever it is. How many, you've heard a lot of messages in your life. Don't start a habit right now that says, oh boy, here comes God's word again. I'll say, no, I want this. I need this. I'm anticipating it. Adult, have you grown stale to God's word? Has it become just something else that you do and you've been doing it so long that it doesn't really anticipate, you're not, not really excited about it anymore? I mean, don't miss the message, the one message God may want to use to change you. You're going to need all these things if you want to grow up. And it's good advice from Brother James. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd use it to change us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.